So this world of ours, um, one of the meanings of the word world or loka in Bali is darkness. So we can see that this earth, this world, it doesn't have any light of its own. It needs to get light from the sun. And sunlight is a very important energy for us in, in this earth. It enables us to be able to see all the different things in the world. If we look in, at this more deeply, we can see that the same is true for our hearts. If our hearts are very dark, then there won't be any light coming into them. So what makes the heart dark is the greed, the hatred, the delusion that lurks there within it. Even if there was a lot of sunlight uh, coming in from outside, even if there were many, many suns, this still wouldn't have the capacity to bring brightness and light into our hearts. But the Dharma, the teachings of the Buddha, they are able to make our hearts bright and light. So that's why we say that the Dharma is a precious jewel. And it's a jewel that has more worth, more value than anything else. It's important then that we try to find Dhamma in this life. Uh, the Dhamma uh, that can come into our hearts. Because if we just look at the world outside, then we'll meet with a lot of difficulty. And this is what most people do. They're just concerned about external things. But for us, we have morality. And so we should try to, to keep this well and to develop ourselves in goodness. To develop uh, generosity and, and giving things to others in order to relieve their suffering. Because we see that the Dhamma has more value, more worth than the things of the external world. So we should try to, to practice in order to find knowledge and light within our hearts. And it's especially important now because there's a lot of fear in the world. People are very afraid of sickness and this virus. So we should then contemplate in order to counteract that fear. And we can recollect the virtues and the goodness of the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. And how the Buddha is limitless, the Dharma is limitless, the Sangha is limitless. So Apamano Buddha, Apamano Dhammo, Apamano Sangha. And we can use this as a mantra, we can recite it within our hearts in order to bring uh, our minds to stillness and to peace. We can then use that calm mind to send loving kindness to our karmic debtors, to the people that we've harmed in the past and we have uh, a debt that we owe to them. Because we've been born many, many times before and the actions and the karma that we've created in those lives is great. So we should try to develop uh, loving kindness and, and spread that to all beings, to radiate benevolence to all beings. 
So we, we do that all around. So the beings that have a lot of goodness, so the devas, the celestial beings, the lay people who have helped us out, and, and uh, the Lord of Death, and then to all the humans in the world. We do this so that they can give their, their joy, they can rejoice in the goodness that we've done. And we also send the merit that we have produced to our karmic debtors as well, and they'll be able to receive it. So we should try to develop as much goodness as we can and do this very often so that we can then share that goodness. We then contemplate into the changing nature of conditioned phenomena and see that all the things of this world are just illusions. There's no reality to them. Everything in this world is an illusion. It's all empty, empty of truth. So we see that whether there's the animals or people, any beings, any ideas of self or other, this is all empty and there's no truth there to it. But when we don't know this, when we don't understand it, then we'll go and attach to all of these things. See the combination of the four elements as being me and being mine. And many, many people in the world do exactly this. And that's why things are so chaotic and why there's so much difficulty and suffering now. There are all of these emotions that, that people feel, all of these uh, afflicting emotions of anxiety, fear, stress, love, hate. So the Buddha taught that we shouldn't be heedless and we should use this opportunity that we have to to put our efforts into the practice, to train our hearts while we still have the energy to do it. Because when we train our minds, then we'll be able to gather energy from samadhi. We'll have the, that foundation of heart, and that's very important. We'll then be able to see right to the bottom of the pond through the clarity that comes from samadhi, from the collectedness of mind. The mind will be clear because it's in a still state. All of the sediment will have dropped to the bottom and so we'll be able to see right down to the bottom of the pond. But if things are stirred up, then that sediment gets, gets stirred up and the water becomes murky and we can't see then. So if our minds are all scattered, all stirred up, then we won't be able to see into the Dhamma. If there's no peace in our hearts, then we won't be able to see. So therefore, the great teachers all said that we should give importance to peace of mind. We should try to put down any doubts, any uncertainty that we might have. Because once our minds become calm and peaceful, once they're established in that stillness, then we'll see into the Dharma for ourselves and the Bhana will be right close by. If our minds don't see into the nature of conventions, then there won't be much brightness to them. But if we see into this, if we can see into conventions, then our hearts will become bright and they'll be liberated. 
and we'll perceive emptiness. So we should really give importance to this path of practice and train ourselves until we can reach this point. If we don't do this, then we'll just run after all of our moods and emotions and constantly be doing that month after month, year after year. We'll just constantly be following every, every emotion that comes up. And then the older we get, then the more difficult it is for us to maintain our mindfulness because our bodies are weak. And then if we get illnesses and sicknesses, then that reduces our mindfulness even further. So the uh, physical feelings of the body, the painful feelings of the body, they do have an effect on our minds and our mindfulness. So while our bodies are still strong, we should use this opportunity to develop this path of practice. When we're weak, it'll be difficult to do that. Even though that reduces the strength of our mindfulness, it's still possible if we've trained before to be able to take care, to be able to, to look after our minds so that they're in a good state. We should look into the state of our minds and know what that's like, know what our mind is at the moment. If there are many different uh, sense objects and moods that are coming out us, at us from outside, we need to be very careful around that. We need to maintain our composure. And a comparison that you could give is of us sitting in our house. And there's only one chair there in the house. So we're sitting on that chair and everything that comes in, we know it. But if we leave our seat, then all of the things that come in, all of the people that come in, they're able to, to sit down. If we keep our seat, however, they won't be able to, to come into the house and they'll just have to leave. So if we meet with a lot of different emotions and sense objects and our mindfulness isn't centered, then we'll just run after them. And we'll start believing in conventions and seeing all of these things in terms of self, in terms of me and mine, in terms of other. When this happens, then the mind will fall easily for the tricks of greed, hatred and delusion. They'll quite easily get depressed and sad. And this depression is just another of the hindrances of the mind. So these days, we may look at the news and see many people suffering and feel as though we can't help them all out. And many health workers, many doctors, nurses, they have this feeling at the moment that they're trying to help patients as best they can, trying to relieve their illnesses as much as possible, but still some of them die. And seeing this happen can uh, weaken the heart and reduce its energy. If we just allow our, our minds to go in that direction, then it's very easy for depression to arise. And that's what happens when we are too attached to our actions and to our work. So it's important to have loving kindness, to have 
compassion and to help out. But we also need to establish our mindfulness there firmly with it as well. So that we can reflect on the situation and see that this is just nature, that it's like this, that some people do have to die. And that everyone, when they're born, then they'll have to meet with old age, sickness and death. And everyone will have to to experience those things in their own time. So some people have the opportunity to still be here and to still have time. So we should use that opportunity to develop ourselves, to establish our mindfulness, our awareness in the present moment as best we can, to train our minds in calm and peacefulness. We can recollect all of the goodness and the skillful actions that we've done. All the times that we've been generous and we've been charitable. The times that we've, the times that we've offered food. And all of the hours that we've put into our meditation practice. Doing this will make our minds firm and stable. And this practice of, of recollecting our goodness and recollecting um, the meritorious things that we have done is walking on the path of sila samadhi panya, of virtue, of the collectiveness of mind and of wisdom. It's important to contemplate into truth and to see that it's just the nature of all people to grow old, to sicken, to die. And that really there's no self in there. That what gets old, what gets sick, and what dies is just the elements. We can reflect and see that in the womb, uh, it's like the, the body is still in a very basic form. It's not really a human body. But then when people are born and they grow, then they form into, into full humans like this. If we use our wisdom and contemplate, we'll be able to see that really it's just the four material elements that have come together. And our minds rely upon the elements for this life. And this is just what human nature is like to be like this. So if we understand in this way, then the pain and the grief that we experience over seeing many people die can reduce. And in turn, that will uh, allow wisdom to manifest in our hearts. We'll perceive the nature of conventions and realize uh, liberation. Our hearts then become empty. And we'll see all things as not self. That there's no me, there's no mind there. It's all anatta, not self. It's especially important for the monks to, to contemplate very often and contemplate into the, the teachings that the Buddha taught. So there's a set of teachings that the Buddha uh, told monks to contemplate uh, very often, to go over, to ask ourselves whether we've attained to any, uh, any special state, any supernatural Dhamma, and um, whether if we haven't, um, when we 
just before we pass away, whether we'll be ashamed at that. We can recollect our morality and ask ourselves whether there's any faults that we have within our, in keeping our precepts. We reflect that the four requisites that we rely upon come from the faith of the laity. So in receiving those requisites, our duty then is to keep and maintain our morality, our sila. If we don't do that, then we uh, are become in debt to the lay people. And especially nowadays, that there's much difficulty in the lives of lay people. But even though they're going through hard times, they still have the kindness, the, the benefaction there to share their things with us. So what the monks need to do in return to pay that back is to do a lot of meditation, to sit meditation, walk meditation, to study the Vinaya and study the Pali language, to really seek out the Satcha Dhamma, the, the, the truth and the Dhamma. So the lay people are kind in supporting us like this. They have a lot of faith and they see that we're wearing the banner of the Arahants. So we need to, to use this opportunity well. And it's like we're getting a scholarship uh, from the Buddha and from the lay people in order to be able to practice. We should contemplate into death a lot and see that the reason that some people die, some people don't, is because of their karma, because of their past actions. So as we chant, we, we say that uh, we are the, the owners of our actions, born of our actions, related to our actions. Whatever actions we have done, whatever karma we have done, will be the heir to that. So all beings receive, uh, receive the results of that karma. We can see that in some countries, no people have died because of the virus. But that in many developed countries now, there are a huge number of people dying. And this is because of the karma of those people. In those developed countries, um, they rely upon the labor and the work of people from lesser developed countries in order for their economy to, to thrive. And so they need to, to get in help and labor from other countries. But as they get that, that labor in, then people also bring in the illnesses as well, bring in viruses. And so with this coronavirus, then it's mostly the developed countries that are getting hit hard. So we see that we are the owners of our karma, heir to our karma, born of our karma. Whatever karma that we have done, then we'll be the heir to that. We'll receive that. We should contemplate our actions, contemplate our karma until we see it clearly. So try to, to practice and um, find seclusion as well. Find the opportunity to, to develop the mind in a secluded place. When we are done with our duties and done with our work, then 
go off and put an effort in order to, to realize the truth. Contemplate that we one day have to be separated from everything that we love and that we like. So as we chant very frequently, we're of the nature to grow old, the nature to sicken, the nature to die. We chant this, but when it actually happens to us, how are we going to react to that? What are we going to feel like then? Contemplate this a lot until you see it clearly and see it there within the heart. And this is the duty of a monk to do this. The lay people also um, have the opportunity and they are able as well to, to follow the Dharma of the Buddha, the teachings of the Buddha, to contemplate and see that everything is empty. And by this, then our hearts will in turn become empty. We can all practice so that in this life, we can close off the, the path to the realms of deprivation, to extract all of the defilements from our hearts. And so before we die, we should die and die from a sense of self, die from, um, from ousting all of the defilements. Because if we look into it, we can understand that we've had to die many, many times over. We've had a huge number of lives before this, and we've uh, had to meet with death in all of those lives. So there was one instance at the time of the Buddha that there was uh, Diganaka Brahma, the Brahma of, uh, who had long nails, is what his name literally means. And he climbed up Vulture's Peak in order to find a pure place to die. He wanted to find a place where no one had ever died before. Instead, he met the Buddha and the Buddha told him that really you yourself have died here many, many times over. And the Brahmin was very, um, he experienced a great sense of dispassion, of disillusionment by, by hearing this, because he truly believed what the Buddha said. He wanted to find a place where no one had died, but instead he found that he himself had died in that place many times. So then the Buddha asked him what views he hold, and he said that I am of the view that what I don't like isn't appropriate for me. I don't like, I don't want the things that I don't like. I only want what I like. The Buddha then inquired, well, what about old age, sickness and death? Do you like those things? And the Brahmin replied that no, he didn't like them. So the Buddha then asked, well, what will happen when you get those? When you meet with old age, sickness and death, what will that be like? Will you be happy then or will you suffer? And the Brahmin said that he would suffer. Well, if you don't like these things and you get them, then you suffer. Then wouldn't it be better to accept them? So we should accept that this is the nature of things. And that's just what this Brahmin did. 
he then praised the Buddha and said that the Buddha is one who points out the path, the one who opens that which was closed and turns upright that which was uh, downturned. All of us are very lucky in that we have, we have this opportunity now and we have the opportunity to practice. But even though we have this chance, it's still not easy. So we should try and develop this practice before we die. But even then, some people are able to see clearly into the Dharma just moments before they pass away. And some people are like that, that they've had a lot of success in this life. They've met with um, a lot of worldly success. But just before they die, they're able to see into the Dhamma. But as for us yet, we're not dead. So we should try to uh, practice this meditation and cultivate ourselves as best we can. So we'll sit in meditation further for a bit and try to make our minds very still and peaceful and contemplate the Dharma that we've heard so that we understand it clearly. <coughs> 